Hello and welcome to our inaugural edition of Agency Hashtag Unfiltered. In an industry saturated with leaders in, best at and key disruptors, the gang at Agency A want to share a monthly podcast that offers an honest and relatable insight into the day-to-day of an ambitious agency. What to expect? Honest, transparent considerations and a bit of mouse. What not to expect? Hot air, blowing smoke or toxic positivity. The Agency A team are going to be talking everything from the latest lowdown on social and cringiest culture habits to humble reflections on the impact of the second national lockdown, along with tips and tricks to beat the work from home blues. We will also be having a hashtag chat shop, also known as a love child between a chat and a catch up, with the founder of sustainably driven dark green PR, Ed Hopkins, to hear more about the why behind the brand and the impact they hope to drive in 2021. My name is Jono, Senior Account Manager here at Agency A. A little bit, bit about me, I'm growing my hair out and I won't shut up about it. Today I'm joined by... I'm Beth, I'm the Social Media Lead at Agency A. I am a huge stationery enthusiast and my latest lockdown hobby is learning Japanese, which I think is a big upgrade from baking banana bread. Give us a, give us a whirl, what have we got? Oh God, you put me on the spot, okay. Um, Wow! Thank you. That's all I know. What did you What did you just say? I said good morning. It's uh, nice to meet you. My name is Beth. How have you been? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else do you need to know in Japanese? Exactly. That's it. That's all you need. And we're also joined by. Hi, my name is Georgina. I'm a junior creative, and um, my fun fact's not quite as interesting as Beth's, but I have an obsession with nachos. <laughs> Ooh. Any, what, any particular flavour or the ones that you get which has all the flavours on top? Oh, no, no. The cheap ones for 45p at Tesco. Just some other salsa and cheese. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, fine. <laughs> I'm on board with that for sure. Um, all right, so without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, we're kicking things off with industry insights, where we pit members of the team against each other, see who can reel off the most unique pieces of industry news, updates and interesting tidbits in the world of social in 60 seconds. Okay, first off, we have Beth. Bear with me whilst I get my timer ready. Oh, Are God. you ready? I don't know if I am. Great. Yeah. Love your enthusiasm. <laughs> Three, two, one, go. Okay, first up, the viral sea shanty, Wellerman, that's actually quite the bop, um, has been found to have been most likely written by a teenage New Zealand sailor back in the 1830s, aka the golden age of sea shanties. Instagram have begun to roll out testing, stopping users from adding feed posts to their stories, which is bad news for all those who are fans of the check out my latest post style story, which I personally think is a bit lazy. Um, in other news, Snapchat has recently published their latest performance update, showing a big old boost last quarter with a 62% increase in revenue and more active members popping up in Europe and North America. To go alongside the huge popularity of the Bernie Sanders meme that blew up on social, IKEA and Ogilvy Greece recently launched a clever Get the Look campaign with one of their fold-up chairs. I now officially want one or two. In positive news, <laughs> doctor and influencer Dr Alex George has recently been appointed as the ambassador for mental health. His recent Instagram post announcing the news received over 1 million likes. Pinterest rose to 459 million users, checking 17 Time. million. Ooh, Boom. That was amazing. Now, that Thank was you. Very strong performance. Thank you. Wow. I was hoping to sound like a newsreader. I mean, well, so. you smashed it. Great. Thank you. Thank Get you very much. Get your BBC two. Perfect. Lovely. 
Uh, all right, Georgina, you've, uh, you've got a hard act to follow. Hope you're ready. Oh, um, so question, I didn't go down that route at all. Great. I... Oh. <laughs> what did you do? What route did you go down? <laughs> Very wrong. Cool. I like um, it. I'm just going to give a while what I've Yeah, got. just give it a while. If not, we yeah. can just record this next week. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> On your marks, get set, update. So some of the best trends that have been happening in M for 2021 marketing is interactive branding and branded content. So in order to get the user involved and good examples are Domino's and Estee Lauder with their gaming experiences. Domino's have created a game online where you have to create the number three and it's literally to create a Domino's board and the person first person to reach the finish line gets to knock all the dominoes round. Whereas Estee Lauder have actually done a video game taking you back in time to the 80s with the retro style of actually using their products within the video games, which are really interactive. And it means the user feels involved and it creates a moment for the user in order to, to get them more involved in the actual brand themselves. The next thing is about brand recognition and authenticity. Booming is untouched images and it shows credibility and authenticity for the brand. A good user for this is GoPro. Um, they're resourceful and show client-consumer relationship with them creating that content online. Um, and people all over the world showcase their travels and experiences as part of the community. Time! That was good. That was good. Very was different like, routes. Very yeah. detailed. Very detail-oriented. <laughs> Mine were just like, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> hey, okay. <laughs> so, well, I mean... I guess we could score it by, you know, obviously Beth went for volume. Mm. And <laughs> I did, yes. And, uh, you know, uh, Georgina went for sort of width, I guess, width, breadth of story, uh, the chunky, you know, meaty stories. No, no uh, Georgina went for quality and I went for quantity. So I think maybe Georgina won that one. <laughs> I, I mean, it's, uh, it's hard. Let's, let's just get the listeners to vote. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Call us now on 074. <laughs> <laughs> For reference, uh, Beth Beth um, reeled out seven, which is impressive. Did I? As, yeah, and um, Georgina did a, a chunky three. Uh, well, that's that's very <laughs> insightful, guys. Thank you very much. Um, I guess in terms of the winner, we will find that out on our next edition of uh, Agency Unfiltered, subject to who you vote for. Please vote in the comments. And yeah, I guess we'll find out. Thank you very much. Big round of applause for the participants. Very... Yeah, the, the Zoom clap is just, it's one of the worst, isn't it? Okay, next up, we have our chat up. As I mentioned, this is the love child between a chat and a catch up. And this is being hosted by our CEO, Rhea Averill. For our very first podcast interview, I was so pleased to catch up with Ed Hopkins, the founder of Dark Green PR. I'd actually seen a lot of the stuff that Ed had done on LinkedIn around the launch of his company and then managed to meet him in the pub through my next door neighbour a couple of months later. So I was really keen to get his thoughts on how he felt launching a business was during the pandemic. Dark Green was founded during the pandemic um, as a direct response to the climate crisis. In their own words, the company provide green communications for a sustainable future and they support their clients with public relations, brand strategy, and social media. Here's what we chatted about. Thank you so much for joining. Um, really great to have you. Thanks for, me on, thanks for having me on the show. Pleasure to be here. No worries. Um, so obviously, as I've mentioned, we're so keen to talk to you because 
you started dark green during the pandemic actually funny because i'd spotted all your stuff on linkedin before i even even met you and read some really great things um but just maybe in your own words if you're happy to tell us a bit more about why you started you know when you started why you started um and how everything's going so um we started dark green in the middle of lockdown one um and i've, I've since been told that the phrase is covidpreneur uh, for starting a business during this time um i'm pleased to say it's it's gone even better than expected um just as a bit of background yeah my, my passion for the environment and for uh you know combating the climate crisis I've, I've had that for quite some time since i was a teenager however in recent years just sort of in the 2010s when i went to uni and graduated i, I just went straight to a normal pr agency um called brands to life brilliant agency absolutely loved it there fantastic training and their clients there were very much uh you know big household names the clients they had there were john lewis nikon oh. dell just eat you know logitech so big big brands and i'm as i said super grateful for that training but later on in my career i i realized i very much wanted to take the pr training and skills i had uh, and use them um on my, my passion which is the environment and it's as i said it's been a dream come true it's going really really well and uh, we're not far off a year now uh, in terms of from when we first started uh, but we've got a we've got a lovely team we've got a really nice roster of clients and we're already delivering some good impact and we're growing so um it's not all being plain sailing there's been a lot of hard work going going into it but uh, no regrets whatsoever and how did you find it launching during the pandemic a bit daunting because um, it was just a very odd atmosphere you know every time you turned on the news it was talking about deaths and also how the economy was spiraling down and you'd think is this a good time to launch a new business it seems counterintuitive but sometimes it is you've got to reinvent yourself and um, I knew that a lot of public relations professionals were losing their jobs and some you know big big and medium agencies and small agencies were all suffering so I wanted to come up with a model that was um, sort of responsive and cost efficient. Obviously, we all work from home, um, but something that would also address the biggest issues and work for clients that are purely climate focused and, and working towards a better, a better world. Um, as, as, as we know now, that model is, is proving to be quite good. Um, but at the time, I was, I was a little bit nervous. You know, it was like, gosh, this is, this is a big deal now. So sort of going out on, going out on my own and, um, whilst the world seems to be falling apart around us. Obviously, we're recovering now and looking a lot better now that the vaccines are taking effect. But yeah, it was it was a little bit daunting for sure. Yeah, and definitely, um, you mentioned as well your team onboarding them during, in a remote sense. How did you feel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's not, I mean, I'm lucky in that uh, the, the two of the other team members uh, who, Josh and Amy, who we work with most, I know really well and have known for a long time. So, and they, they've got good experience. They're excellent in knowing their climate stuff. So onboarding them as such wasn't so much of a challenge because they knew exactly what I wanted to do with Dark Green. So they've been able to support in, in various ways. In terms of new newer team members and interns and stuff like that, that has been more of a challenge to do it all remotely. I, I do love remote working. I think it's very much the future. And I think the days of cramming all onto tiny tube and train tube trains and, and uh, having this almost fanatical approach to London of always being there and then coming out. I think those days are gone. Uh, but at the same time, being in an office environment with new team members 
is hard to it's hard to beat that sometimes so doing over zoom and facebook messenger calls and whatsapp is, is a challenge but i think we're getting gradually better at it yeah would you say you have any kind of key tips for kind of how to motivate um a team remotely yeah absolutely um so the first one is it sounds really obvious but i think sometimes um from what i've experienced with some other you know other organizations other people is they sometimes they'll just do phone calls rather than um, video calls and sometimes they'll just be quick and sometimes they'll they they'll just sort of go hey like, you got this this and this fine okay i'll follow up an email the closest thing we can get to substituting the environment is having a a proper video call um make sure there's plenty of eye contact make sure it almost feels as if you're in the same room um just make sure it's a proper conversation carve out proper time in the diary i know it seems annoying people don't like chewing up their diary with with loads of calls but you've got to make the time to build the relationship build the understanding and making sure they understand so once they understand and feel comfortable and feel like they care you know that you're putting in time to build that relationship that will help motivate them in in, in itself the other thing i'd say is if you're doing rewarding work and it's it's um delivering impact just make sure you celebrate those successes at every step of the way make sure you're really encouraging i think you almost have to be more encouraging than usual if you're in, um, when it's remote because people can feel even as hard as you might try they can feel isolated because they are we all we're all stuck at home and we will be for at least another month or so so yeah. that's another key is, is is continued positive encouragement and, and celebration of achievements uh, but also um facetime you know, albeit virtual, but just make sure you have at least a regular FaceTime check in each day. Yeah, and equally, um, I guess, would you would you say these are kind of similar, the kind of eye contact and, and making sure you have carve out the correct time? Is that something that's helped you onboard new clients as well? Or have you managed to see them face to face? Absolutely. So it's a good question. So, I mean, there's not, well, I guess a PR agency, normally you would, um, you're, you're right, you have pictures and develop that client relationship yeah. through face-to-face -face meetings, you know, in boardrooms or wherever. Every single client we've onboard, you know, onboarded and pitched to has all been virtual, and that's that's been quite an experience. Um, it's gone really well, to be fair, and it's meant a fairly seamless transition to each day weekly calls, because it's just the same. You're just, just picking up where you left off. But um, I, I was able to meet up with a couple of clients um, back in September, um, when it was legally allowed, <laughs> uh, yeah. one of our clients is based in Bournemouth, and I was over to take the train down there. Um, obviously, I had to wear a mask the whole way, um, but I was able to share a boardroom with them um, to discuss the rollout of the program ahead, and that went really well. Um, other than that, and a couple of outdoor meetings with a few others. It's all been virtual, um, especially yeah, especially since then, because that was that sort of nice little. That was the the last time I can remember some semblance of of uh, normality in the UK was around September last year, because it wasn't too bad then. And you've mentioned rewarding work, which is something that, like I I we have a CSR initiative at at Agency Ape, and I'm really kind of vested in kind of growing these um, kind of initiatives, which is why I've said before, like I found um, your journey so, so, you know, inspiring. But how, is there any difference between kind of pitching and onboarding and working with these types of clients compared to your other agency experience when potentially kind of objectives are slightly more commercially driven? Yeah, that's a good question because there is a significant difference and that is wavelength. 
when you're pitching to a company where you share the same values, you have the same mission, right from the, the get-go, it's a totally different experience because if it's not, if it's just a standard agency pitching for a big new tech client, food client, whatever it might be, it just seems hyper competitive. You know, you're like one of 10, 20 agencies on the pitch list and it's all very business as business. It's all very, okay, what's the best price you can, what's your, what's your budget? Okay, is this idea really gonna work? Obviously you still have to talk about those things, but it's done so in a different manner because it's, hey, look, you exist because you really love and care about organizations like ours. Yes, let's, let's okay, let's talk about that first. And it just sets a totally different tone. Um, it's made it a lot more enjoyable process. I found it's helped the creative process as well because everyone on our team and particularly for myself, I, I feel more relaxed. You know, I, I feel like I can think more clearly because I know that the people we're engaging with are people who are who have the same goal, they're like-minded and want to succeed as much as we want them to succeed. So um, definitely puts me at ease more so. Yeah, I think that's key to any relationship, isn't it? Kind of aligning with, you've got to, believe and be passionate about what you're trying to trying to sort of sell essentially absolutely i i I can't imagine working for a client now that doesn't share our values um well we wouldn't i mean you know that's that's the whole point that's why we you know we we are we're quite uh we're very strict on that we would never work for an organization that we feel aren't making um a positive impact on the planet and that's well that's the bottom line so as long as you have that rule then you shouldn't go wrong. Yeah, I listened to a really fascinating podcast recently about sort of purpose over profit and how increasingly where consumers are shopping more consciously and, you know, they're spending more, well, buying less, but spending more with kind of more brands that they're more vested in. Equally, um, do you think that there'll be a kind of similar trend B2B when agencies are looking for work? So, say, for example, you guys are a purpose-driven business do you think there's room for more of those types of, of companies um because you know these kind of b corp or or you know purpose-driven brands will want a, a, a partner that equally has the same value system yeah for sure i think that the, the the demand for that will go up no doubt um and continue to do so for a long time because the climate crisis is getting worse consumers and businesses alike uh, are becoming more aware um so i think will all, what you'll see is a lot of big agencies trying to adapt their messaging, saying, oh, we're all super purpose driven. And then you'll get a lot of other ones in the middle and then a lot of smaller ones as well saying, we actually exist purely for that. Mm. Um, Then it will be up to, brands will then have a judgment call to make as in, do they want to go with the big agencies with a massive reputation and history who are sort of trying to adapt into the more purpose driven, uh, you know, approach to business? Or do they want to go to the ones that are built themselves on the ground up only very recently purely as climate focused purpose-driven businesses or, or other worthy causes um it'll be interesting to see who which brands pick what approach um, and i'm not saying one's right or the other i mean um i mentioned earlier my my first agency i was i was at brands to life large independent agency now when i left there it was 140 people um, and obviously they're known for tech, but they are now also doing a lot of purpose-driven work as well. And I've, I've been very impressed by it. So I was there for almost six years. So I, I could totally understand why a, a sustainability-focused brand or, or a purpose-driven brand would want to work with someone like that because they have the reputation and they are also clearly making a, um, you know, a clear effort to uh, expand their capability and experience in that space. So we'll, we'll, we'll see all sorts of adaptations from agencies in that space for sure. 
And what does kind of the next six, six, nine months look like for you guys? I've just seen your Operation Snack um, campaign, which looked really oh, good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of you to say. Um, well, uh, Operation Snack was a really good campaign. So drives some you know, really good impact for uh, Love Satan, which is one of our, one of our clients. Um, it was all around a, uh, the EU has new regulations now in that uh, any, any uh, hauliers arriving in the EU can't bring food which has animal products in it because um, it then is classified as a personal import. Uh, however, plant-based food and your know, vegan food naturally doesn't have any uh, animal products in it. So that, that's EU compliant, if, if you want to call it that. Uh, so we decided to work with them to put together some uh, uh, sandwiches. We actually we actually collaborated with one of Love Satan's um, customers called Simply Lunch, which is an excellent company. Um, and we handed out uh, I think it was 500 you know, sandwiches to hungry hauliers just before they crossed the border, knowing that they couldn't have those confiscated because they were they were vegan, which was which was really cool. So obviously we were very careful. We did it in a COVID safe way. We got some really good coverage from it in the national press, even internationally. The grocer did a really big story on it, which was, was cool to see. Thanks for a lot of uh, other inquiries off the back of that. Um, and as for the next six to nine months, it's very much about, it's, we want steady growth um, and continuing to build our roster of clients. There are some areas we'd like to expand into, which we're, we're working on. Um, as I sort of mentioned when we, when we were first catching up earlier, I was saying how you've got to make sure that growth is sustainable. You've got to have the, the right number of the right, not just the right number, but the, the right team members there yeah. ready to, you know, to carry out the work. So um, I'm trying to be cautious, cautious approach, but we're, just, we're still hopefully in nine months time, we'll see, you know, several, several more clients added to the roster. Um, and then also some new staff as well to help um, help support them. And you mentioned um, briefly before that, that you kind of felt that the way uh, we, that we now work now remotely or having that kind of freedom is, is, has been a really positive outcome of the kind of forced situation. How do you envision kind of operationally working as a team as you grow? Do you think you'll work mainly remotely or do you think you'll go into a kind of a site? So, yeah, I've been thinking about this for a while and I've been reading a lot in all, four, all many, many different papers about the um, attitudes to working from home versus office or a mix. Mm. We're definitely going to be 99% working from home, at least for the foreseeable future. Perhaps as a team grows, we'll have like a, every two weeks we'll meet up and share an office, uh, have a shared office space. I think that would be quite a good model. Mm. Um, I... I'm not afraid to share my opinion on it. And that is, I much prefer, I really like working from home. Don't, don't get me wrong. I love the office environment when I was at other agencies, but uh, working from home is great. You don't lose a considerable amount of your salary or whatever your income is on train and tube tickets or driving, whatever it might be. Um, you get more time um, at home. Um, so yeah, I really, I really, I really like it. Um, I'm not opposed to, I, I get that some people work much better in office environments. That's fine. Or, um, I think it was the CEO of, I, only, I think I only read this this morning that the CEO of Goldman Sachs has come out saying they really want to get back to office life and they, they don't think that working from home serves their, serves them well. Interesting take, obviously that's an incredibly different business to the PR agency. Um, I don't know what it's like to run a bank, but uh, especially one of that size, but 
it just yeah I'm really, I'm really enjoying reading all these different opinions so uh but yeah we're clear on ours no same I think yeah like you said it's a refreshing <laughs> refreshing new outlook and I think it's forced a lot of people who maybe had maybe trust concerns or you know just just were completely opposed to it to kind of rethink and think actually you know what's the point in hiring a team if you can't trust them um exactly that's you know, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'm I'm really concerned and shocked. Why well, not shocked? But I'm just concerned when I see these people say, "Oh, I don't trust my staff to work properly from home." It's like, what sort of relationship do you have with your staff if you don't believe they can get the job done? You know, or with your with your team, it's just. Well, there's yeah, that's and managers can view their screen or something like that, or they can see the screen time. And you have to oh look. yes, the screen monitoring software where you can track everything that they're doing and see which programs they're using and. See if, uh, there's even one where it monitors how often they've moved the mouse or touched the keyboard to know if they're actually typing or they're active at the screen. Um, I, I think that's quite unethical. Um, that's I, I could not be more opposed to that. Um, that's certainly <laughs> something I will never ever consider. Uh, if, 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 if I've got a trust issue with someone on our team, one is unlikely I would have hired, hired them in the first place. Um, but yeah, I would. I would want to resolve that in a very different way, not suddenly trying to monitor them like a, a big brother approach. That that's, mm -hmm. just doesn't make sense to me. I just say, I can't see how that's scalable either, because then you'll have to kind of, I don't even know how you could even explain that to someone in an onboarding. I think it is scalable, scarily, because of the way they've, the way they've created the software and that you can monitor a hundred different workers at once. And there are certain algorithms that tell you if someone's been inactive for a while or if they're using a program that they're not supposed to be using. So I think there, it is scalable. The question for me is whether it's ethical and that's, for me, it's a massive no. Yeah, maybe they'd have a tricky time with the retention rate, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, big, big companies who can push you know, really you know, throw their weight around and they don't have and don't care about retention rate then yeah they may use that but that's certainly not the situation we're in cool um and just as kind of maybe a last question i mean i was we did a student a couple of weeks ago and one of the students asked you know what would be your tips for setting up business during a pandemic or what would be your tips for setting up a sustainable business during a pandemic um so i guess um, my question is exactly the same to you yeah I can, well, I'll try and answer both as in tips on setting up a business in the pandemic and then also a sustainable focused business. Um, in terms of the pandemic, it might sound like a fairly obvious one. Keep, find any way you can at the beginning to keep costs, uh, running operation costs as low as possible. That, and that's not a long-term thing because ultimately you've got to spend money to make money. And if you want to, you know, you've got to invest in the business. But to begin with, given the uncertainty of the economic climate at the moment and just don't, throw too much in right away being able to just be as efficient as possible i'm quite i'm quite lucky in that our team to do pr and run a pr agency ultimately you just need a, a, a good laptop and a phone and, and and a brain but um other businesses obviously need a lot other other things so if you're if it's a new food business there's a whole new <laughs> different approach obviously but so keep keep those operation costs lean and efficient to begin with um but also um you've really got to be on the front foot with networking. Well, it sounds obvious again, but the amount of new businesses I've seen where people seem to think that the business is just going to come to them, like build it and they will come. Mm. It just doesn't work anymore. You have to be active on LinkedIn and other social platforms. You have to be sharing your thoughts a lot, sharing your vision, 
mm. making making new connections every single day. Um, that's such a key to growth now in, in 2021. Um, you've got to use the big four, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, if you're not, I don't know why you're not. And the, the only businesses that can do that and get away from doing that ones that are already huge or they are, per, you know, well designed to be anti that. The only one I can think of is Weatherspoons who got rid of all their social media channels. Um, but that sort of fits their brand and they don't really need it. I don't think that would actually affect their business. But if you're running something that does want to drive footfall or new business or any other form of connection, then you have to be all over that. So that's the first one. Uh, your other question was on uh, sustainable business. I mean, it depends what your sustainable business is. You know, if it, you need to ask yourself a question, is what you're creating, is that going to uh, benefit the planet um, in a really clear way? Is there a clear goal? If the answer is not a resounding yes, then you've got to think again about why you're doing it. I mean, some people might want to like, some people come, come up with these ideas like, oh, I want to build a new sustainable, you know, full clothes range. And that, that does sound on the surface a good idea, but you've got to think about it. Is this really affordable, but ethically made, you know, clothing that can actually make a dent in the market? Um, is it, or is this just going to create an extra thing that people want that they don't necessarily need? Is it sort of, what's the purpose behind it? Um, obviously that's not, we don't have to go down the route of what's the purpose of clothing, because for some people it's fashion, for some people it's practical, whatever. And it, basically what I'm saying is make sure there's a clear vision mm. and a clear way in which it makes the world a better place um, and more sustainable. Um, because if, if it's not immediately clear, then there's a problem. Mm. Um, and if I, I, I'm pleased to say, if you look at any of the clients we, we work with, you within five seconds of reading about them or looking at their website or whatever you know exactly why they exist and why they're in what way they're helping the planet um what i'm not a fan of is businesses that exist clearly purely to make money or to create demand for a certain product that people don't really need and then say oh we're super sustainable and we have a really sustainable process and supply chain blah 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 and it's like okay that's great and you're probably making lots of money but i are you impacting the planet in a good way Sometimes it's not, and if that's as I said, if that's not the case, then mm. I obviously I'm biased, but my case would be, you know, my argument would be perhaps reconsider. Clear messaging and then know exactly what your goal is. Yeah, know know what your goal is, but know what make make sure it's you can prove, make sure you can prove the positive impact to yeah. the environment because the climate crisis is so 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 much bigger than anything we've ever faced, uh, and when I say we, I mean the human <laughs> humans. Um, so yeah, as Mark Carney recently said, he said that the death toll from, uh, the climate crisis will, um, make the COVID crisis look tiny. Yeah. So we, we've got to treat it with that same level of seriousness. Okay. Wicked. Wonderful. No, thank you so, so much again for joining us. It's been really, really interesting to, well, interesting to hear. Of course, I've spoken to you before, but you know, here again in your, in your own work. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, I'm always happy to uh, offer any advice or learning as I can. Mm. And uh, as you won't be surprised to hear, always, always happy to bang the drum for climate action and, and climate focused businesses. So uh, thanks for having me on. All right, moving on. What have we got? So let's talk about the biggest thing in the news this month. Uh, this can be from something of individual brilliance to, you know, something going from inspo to binspo, you know, the biggest balls up, uh, 
what's caused the biggest uproar in the last couple of weeks. What are we thinking, guys? It's got to be the influence in Dubai, doesn't it? It literally has to. My word. A nightmare. So I guess that's a quick roundup of that. As we all know, uh, there was an, an influx of influencers or content creators who decided to pop off to Dubai um, over the course of January to, you know, create some beautiful, inspirational content. Uh, the question really remaining, um, was that suitable? Is that driving the right sort of uh, ethos, given that everyone else is stuck in lockdown? Um, what, are, what are our thoughts? I was going to say, I'm just going to, I don't agree with it at all, just to put that out there for starters. I don't think it's right. I think it goes against everything that's happening worldwide right now and the fact that it's just taking an opportunity that isn't necessary however as I'm not an influencer and none of us are I feel like we should defend a little in the sense that they're not here to defend themselves in the case of if you're going out there because you truly believe it is going to make your content better and therefore increase your engagement increase your marketing therefore mean you can participate in campaigns then you can eloquently argue that because in the sense same sense of tv still running why is that allowed but digital marketing and influencers aren't seen as in the same sort of market in that sense mm. unfortunately the girl that was interviewed on um was it itv yeah, yeah. she was she definitely wasn't eloquent was she no, I mean, well, I guess it comes down to whether it was essential. And as you said, like whether it could come back to actually benefiting that person's career with an opportunity they couldn't do in the UK. Whereas in her instance, she was in Dubai and recording fitness videos in her hotel room, which she could have done in the UK and there would have been no difference at all. So in that sense, it just makes well, zero sense at all. Yeah, I think, you know, there's always going to be an argument for both sides because if there was... No argument for, the, for them being out there. There'd be a complete uproar. Uh, I think naturally they'll have this sort of ethos in their head that, you know, it's content production, uh, you know, whilst, as you said, whilst everything else is going on in the world of content from TV, films, you know, Netflix are churning out new series every, every five minutes. Uh, the same applies for marketing. Um, but I guess it's the tone in which you approach that as an individual and it's your responsibility to you know have have an understanding of why you're there and I think you know the individual in question on that interview sadly didn't quite grasp it uh, and I think you know there's this talk of whether ITV knew that and perhaps mm. were being a bit manipulative with uh, the story obviously it's very on the nose it was you know mm. using the quote influencers are, are essential workers I don't necessarily know whether she said those words. If she did, then there's a bigger problem at hand. But yeah. it's probably that was probably more clickbait, right? Um, but yeah, I think it's going to keep. There's no, not going to be an answer to this. It's right. I think, and whilst people, these brands, you know, brands that people are collaborating with, will absolutely, you know, say we need you here, come do this. But you know, each person has to sort of make their own decision as to whether they think that's appropriate. Yeah, it's interesting what you say about the um, the kind of potential kind of quote that they use, I guess, where she was quite a small influencer who perhaps didn't have that kind of PR team behind her, kind of guiding her through the process. It's possible that she made a lot more slip ups in her 
interview than perhaps somebody else would have done. Um, yeah. But yeah. But that's the difficulty. Anyone with a huge, huge following wasn't going to do that because I know the saying, oh, all publicity is good publicity. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, I know that is a case, but you don't want bad publicity if you don't need bad publicity. And yeah. unfortunately, in my case, her argument wasn't strong, I don't think. No, and I think by the sounds of it, she's had a pretty rough time following the interview. Apparently, she's made her account private. She's hemorrhaged followers. She received online abuse. And I think, you know, this this online abuse through social thing goes wider, you know. But it's an understanding of whether it's getting worse or whether it's um, being talked about more by the individuals who are, um, you know, receiving the hate. But I think, you know, the... There is an issue, definitely an issue with sort of trolls and that getting yeah. worse on social. And if that's a reflection of people's pent up frustration from COVID, uh, people using it to become sort of as a tool and not taking responsibility for it. It's a bit of a worrying state of affairs. There's been like this huge surge in people <clears throat> just like jumping to kind of the council culture, just immediately um, jumping to let's just trash this person online if we don't agree with their opinion. And I guess in the case of uh, the influences in Dubai, I think if you don't agree with it, which I don't, I think it's probably best that you just don't engage with the content or you don't follow yeah. them in, at all. Where I think the whole kind of online abuse and that whole kind of toxic cancel culture is just really unnecessary. I wouldn't say it's gotten worse though. I just think it's the opportunity people have in order to voice those opinions because they can, they think they should. Mm. Like you said, yeah. Beth, I, I agree with you. You don't agree with it. Don't follow it. Don't engage with it. Otherwise you're only bringing voice to the platform. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You're driving, you end up driving the algorithm. You actually yeah. give this, you give this person more visibility. So actually understanding, you know, your bizarre hate that you're spewing through your keyboard or your phone is actually doing you a disservice because this person, yeah, I mean, depend this person in particular, I guess she sort of has made a choice to make her account private so she can sort of filter that. Um, but, you know, it's still driving traffic to her platform. Yeah. Which Silence will mean more campaigns. More yeah. campaigns, you know. She's going to be in Dubai for the, for the long haul. So well done, everyone. Maybe they should just all live there and stay there forever and not come back. Well, they've cut off the borders now, haven't they? Exactly, they can't. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. So, Dubai. <laughs> the, the lucky people. Oh wow, that was good. Thank you. Joke one hundred and one. That's written on her pad. Yeah, that was bad. Let's, let's cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> Before this recording, I went through thought of all the best puns you could come up with. <laughs> I've got an A4 pad in front of me. You can reel them all off if you like. <laughs> no, no, save some for later. Save some yeah, for later. Yeah. Um. Great. I think we've covered influencers in Dubai. I think if we keep going, we're going to get cut off by the influencer platform. Um, okay, moving on. What have we got? So onto our roundup of cringiest culture habits. So what we've affectionately, eye-rollingly named, just touching base. Uh, a roundup of our least favourite work habits, turns of phrase or wankiest corporate behaviours. Um, so what have we got, guys? So my least favourite and equally a culprit of, I'd have to say, is checking yourself out on Zoom, which mm. I'm sure most people do, but you sit there, you're like, oh, do I look good today? 
and actually zone out completely and forget what's actually going on. Yeah. Sometimes I have a mild panic and think I've forgotten to put on the touch up my uh, appearance filter on Zoom. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> gotta get rid of those it, eye bags. <laughs> there's a touch up your appearance thing on Zoom. How did you not know this? You're kidding me. What? <laughs> I've been sitting here like this for the last year. Like it really, like... it gives you a bit of a glow. Oh, it's nice. It gives you that rosy cheek and uh, gets rid of the baggy eyes a little. Oh yeah. my God. Well, this is a revelation. Great. I mean, I, I, do, I do hear you though with the Zoom. Uh, I, when I had my beard last year, all I would do was stroke it. In, in, yeah. And I'd be watching myself stroke it. And it'd be a very weird weird sort of like slightly like I don't know creepy thing that I was doing with myself is very odd. It's legal I think just sitting there shaking. Yeah. I'm also really conscious of my eyes in in two ways the first of being um <laughs> I feel like they dart back and forth across people's faces and they just look like windscreen wipers but the second is that I have a lazy eye particularly when I'm tired so it most it's most active on a Monday morning and a Friday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I worry that people are like who is she who is she looking at does she have some sort of problem but I can't control it but I guess it's one way of me being able to keep one eye on my appearance and one eye on whoever's talking so maybe it's a positive I mean that's that's helpful yeah you, it's sort of just like mate just own it you know great yeah it's part of my charm I, does it just do that like by itself when you're not thinking about it. Yeah, I can like feel it, feel it like wing off into the distance and like got to bring that back, <laughs> get centered. <laughs> so, so your least favorite work habit is your eye, eye wandering. Yeah, well actually my least favorite one was when people don't turn their own videos on, on Zoom. When, especially oh, yeah. when there's just two of you in the call. So all you can see is your face and they just won't, yeah. won't turn it on. And it's, it's too awkward to be like, oh, well, well, if you're not going to have it on, I'm not going to have it on. So you sort yeah, of have to sit yeah. there. Because really if you're in the call first, you can't be like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to turn mine off now because that looks rude. So you just sort of right. sit there for however long, staring at your own face and no one else's. I always get really worried when that happens, that they've cut off and I'm just talking to myself. <laughs> Has I mean, that ever happened? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you just spoke for a good solid 30 minutes. <laughs> you're presenting some slides. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just not there. No, no one there. It's very awkward. They're just gone. Add another one to the mix. Oh, uh, yes, get it in. Chucking some more. It makes me laugh when we mentioned it the other day, actually, when you can see people not actually engaging in the call and working on something else because it reflects on their face. Oh, it's the worst. Yeah, we got one member of the team in particular who's guilty <laughs> of this, who not only are they doing something else whilst on the call, but they sit so close to the camera that you can almost see what's going on in the reflection of their eyes and uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah it's quite annoying yeah <laughs> it's hilarious I'm like oh so what's he working on today <laughs> he or she obviously keep it anonymous <laughs> yeah. he's actually just watching uh Bridgerton in the background that's that's all it is <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's doing the washing up this morning oh really Lots of clanking about. <laughs> yeah, it's whoever this person is. Um, they, they will remain a mystery to all those who've decided to listen. Um, so these are our thoughts, but we'd love to hear what you, the listeners or listener, as it may be, we don't know yet, 
Um, so, you know, do comment and vote on your least favorite industry. Ism, is it uh, non-attentive Zoomers? Is it best for googly eye? What is it, you know? Like... Googly eye? <laughs> Put it in the comments and uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll maybe perhaps we'll do a commenters edition next month and see how we go. Um, right, well, that's us for this month. Thank you very much for joining us. And yeah, we look forward to uh, catching up with you again next month.